Where do you go? Where do you run when your problems get the best of you? I don't care who you are. You cannot have a relationship with God through your pastor, through the church, through the movement, or whatever it is. You have to have your own personal relationship. Otherwise, you're just a religious person. It's you and God, nobody else. When you're going through difficulties, when you're all alone, when you're in trouble, it's you and God. Certainly, we're there to pray for each other, to help each other, to encourage another, but it's you and God. There's no other way. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Life is difficult enough, but can you imagine going through the trials of life without the Lord? That's the focus Pastor Xavier takes as he continues this series through the book of Genesis. Today, as he visits the last days of the life of Joseph, he shows how a life dependent upon God has a certain future and hope. Here he is with today's lesson. Genesis chapter 48, we're going to look at verse 1 through 22. And the message is entitled, The Goodness and Blessings of God. Israel has um, spent 17 years in Egypt, and now he is um, about to die, but the customary ritual of passing the patriarchal blessing must be performed. So he meets with Joseph and his two sons before meeting with all his other sons, which we get in the following chapter. So the blessing of Jacob, Joseph has revealed to us here in this chapter. Let me read, and then we'll divide it up. Now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father is sick. And he took him with him, two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, Look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up on the bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at last in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply, and I will make of you a multitude of people, and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. And now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Your offspring, whom you beget after them, shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers and their inheritance. But as for me, when I came from Padam, Rachel died besides me in the land of Canaan in the way when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, and I buried her there in the way Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Then Israel saw Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said to his father, These are the sons, my sons, whom God has given me in this place. And he said, Please bring them to me, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near to him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact God has also shown me your offspring. And so Joseph brought them from the side of the knees of Israel, Jacob, and he bowed down his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim, with his right hand towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. Then Israel stretched forth his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, uh, who was a younger, and he left his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hand, knowing, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked, the God whom has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be named upon them. 
in the name of my father Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into multitude in the midst of the earth. Now, when Joseph saw that his father's laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will bless, saying, May God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am dying, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you one portion above your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. The blessing of Jacob over his two sons, the sons of Joseph, is revealed by the following. First, the arrival of Joseph with his two sons, verse 1 through 7. Then secondly, the blessing of Joseph's two sons from verse 8 down to 16. And then we finish up with the clarification of the blessing regarding Joseph's two sons in verse 17 through 21. The regrettable news that Jacob was ill reached Joseph. The passing of time has taken toll on Jacob, as it will upon you, upon me. When we're young, we think we're going to live forever. But as we move on in life, we go, uh-oh, we're not. The old tent starts to break down. Jacob became physically ill. It says, now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was old. Indeed, your father is sick. The word sick means to become weak and numb. Uh, worn down by disease. It's used in context in First King and Second King. And um, it's great when you're young and, you know, you're, you're healthy and all, and there's nothing more valuable than your health. And at times, we may use that to boast in ourselves, say, well, you know, I've never been sick. You know, I, I just eat this, I drink that, I do that. And though diet and exercise is good and that, but the bottom line, push comes to shove. It's just God's grace. That's all it is. Some of us are genetically dispositioned to certain things, and they're going to come. But, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's guys that, there's the exception that drinks, you know, a quart of Jim Beam and three packs of cigarettes every day, and they live to be 110, but they're the exception. You know, they're not the rule. God is just sometimes real patient with some people that need a little longer to see if they'll repent. Some will and some won't, but that's just God's goodness. Notice Joseph went to see his father, and um, he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and the two were born during the plenty of the seven years plenty before the years of famine, chapter 41, verse 50 told us. So they were probably somewhere between 20 to 27 years of age. So they're grown up. Joseph is about 59 years now. So he's getting up there. Um, the coming of Joseph was announced to Jacob in verse 2, we are told. The declaration uh, to Jacob is given by a servant. We don't know who. Jacob was told, look, um, your son Joseph is coming to you. And the reception by Jacob, and you can just see him. He's old, he's decrepit, and he strengthens himself up, and he sits up in his bed. He's a man of faith looking to God now. He has spent 17 years, and he has, taken, he has had those 17 years to look, to reflect, to just see the goodness of God. 
And all the pain, all the difficulties, all the things that God put him through, and even all the things he added to his own life. At this point, he sees the goodness of God to intervene, to strengthen, to fulfill what he promised. Solomon and Ecclesiastes say, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days that are difficult come when you have no pleasure. Talking about old age. And he goes on to give the picture of an old man. You see, if you walk with God, listen to me carefully, young people. If you walk with God and you live to be old and the difficult days come, and they will, you will resort to God's strength as you did in your youth and you will glorify God. But if you don't walk with God in your youth and as you go along, when you come to old age, you will have difficult time because you'll deal with it in your flesh and you will not handle it. Trust me. Godliness is a great heritage. Israel, the old decrepit man, man of faith, he sees clearly now. Jacob, the old heel catcher, planter, con artist, is reckoned dead. Israel, one who prevails. God fights for him, the new character, victorious, one ruled by God by surrendering him. That's who's alive here. It's called Israel. Now, the unforgettable blessing of Jacob by God then is given to us in verse 3 and 4. Verse 3, this was the first time God appeared to Jacob. The identity of God is unique. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty, El Shaddai, the most all-powerful God. Genesis 17, 1, 28, 17, uh, and other portions. He is the one that he looks to. He's the one that has accomplished everything to this point. The location was chosen by God, and that is at Luz, the land of Canaan. Remember, that was called Bethel also in Genesis 28 when he fled from his brother Esau. That's where he's talking about. God met him there for the first time. Prior to that, his relationship to God was through his father as a patriarch, as a son of faith. But he had to come to his own, his own relationship and he did that at Bethel where God appeared to him. I don't care who you are. You cannot have a relationship with God through your pastor, through the church, through the movement, or whatever it is. You have to have your own personal relationship. Otherwise, you're just a religious person. It's you and God, nobody else. When you're going through difficulties, when you're all alone, when you're in trouble, it's you and God. Nobody else. Certainly, we're there to pray for each other, to help each other, to encourage another, but it's you and God. There's no other way. The communication came directly from God. He says, and blessed me. Now, do you think Jacob deserved blessing? Now, do you think you deserve blessing? Of course we don't. We deserve hell. This was the first promise to Jacob as the third patriarch. Look at verse 4. First, to have many children. He said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. Then to make him into a nation, and I will make of you a multitude of people. The word multitude means congregation. The word in the Hebrew there is used to indicate all of Israel in 1 Samuel 17, 47, and Psalm twenty-two, twenty-three. It's almost equivalent to the word church in the New Testament in the Greek, congregation. Notice the repeated personal pronoun, I, emphasizing God would accomplish it. 
If anything is going to come in my life, I am 55 years old. I've been walking about 32 years, and believe me, they've gone fast. I look back now, having raised the family and, and, and all that God has done, and I can tell you that everything has been God. There is no mistake about it. I see very, very clear. There is no delusions of grandeur or anything else. Notice also to bequeath the land of Canaan and give this land to your descendants after you. The land belongs to God, and God gave it to the Jews through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was also the blessing of Isaac over Jacob when he fled from his home to his uncle Laban's as his father blessed him in Genesis 28, 3 through 4. And Esau got all mad because he heard him bless him. But then lastly, notice, to be theirs forever. What? The land. As an everlasting possession, the duration of the possession of the land is forever. It's mentioned over and over and over again. Genesis 17, 8, one of them. Here we have it again. Listen, the land and the people go together. You cannot separate them. The argument in the Middle East is, is, is foolish. The land belongs to the Jew. You cannot separate the people from the land. They are one through the Bible. Now, notice the irreversible adoption of the sons of Joseph then is given to us in verse 5 through 7. In verse 5, Jacob joined the two sons of Joseph to the 12 tribes. Only the first two, and now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine as legal sons. Listen, as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. That's what adoption is, as a legal son, okay? The commentary of Scripture tells us that Reuben's birthright was given to the two sons of Joseph in 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, because remember, he defiled his father's bed, going to have sex with his concubine. His inheritance was given to the two here. Jacob left the remainder to Joseph then, but these two are mine. Look at verse 6. The sons after the first two, your offspring, whom you beget after them, shall be yours. They would follow their lineage. They will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. And then all of a sudden, Jacob recalls his beloved Rachel in verse 7. And there are many commentaries say, well, this, this section has been not a place. Somebody inserted it here and all that. No, no, no. He's dying. This is Rachel's firstborn, Joseph. He's passing on the patriarchal blessing. He's about to die. His wife has died who he loved. It all comes together. Let me tell you, when you're ready to die, everything will come together. Life will be very clear and simple. It won't be that complicated if you're walking with God. She died as they returned to Canaan. He speaks about coming from Padam. Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way. Almost verbatim, chapter 35, verse 16 through 20 here. She died and was buried near Bethlehem, um, a little distance from Ephrata, which Ephrata is Bethlehem. By the way, that's the future place of, uh, birthplace of David and the Messiah. First uh, Samuel 17, 12, and Micah 5, 2, and Matthew 2, 1 confirms this. The last words of Isaac Watts, the English theologian and hymn writer, who gave us such hymns as when I survey the wondrous cross or O God, 
our help in ages past were the following. Listen to them. It is a great mercy that I have no manner of fear or dread of death. I could, if God please, lay my head back and die without terror this afternoon. And he did exactly that. What an advantage we have as Christians. Talk about just you and God. Nobody's going to be there when you die or I. You're going to have to walk through that door all on your own, and so am I. And if you've walked with God and you've depended on him, you're going to do exactly what you've done in life. But if you're playing games and you're being religious, then you're going to die the same way you lived, playing games. You don't want to do that because that's the ultimate boundary you cross over where there's no return. And the way you lived here is going to determine where you spend eternity, whether you're in Christ or not in Christ. Very important, serious things. Nothing to be played with. The passing of a father or mother is something that everyone knows is out there in the future at some time or another. And usually we think it'll happen, but we never think it can happen today or tomorrow. Does the thief in that it was never part of God's plan He intended man to live forever with him in fellowship, not apart from him. But because of the fall, sin entered in through Adam in Genesis 3, and therefore since that day, death has reigned. Uh, We saw the record uh, months ago in chapter 5, where we get a record of all those who lived. They lived five, six, seven hundred years, and he died, and he died, and he died. To affirm what God said to Adam, the day you eat of the fruit, you shall surely die. Spiritually first, long-term wise, physically. The longest living man, Methuselah, 969 years, and he died the day of the flood. You and I will die physically if the Lord tarries, as sure as we're sitting here. No one gets out of here alive except the generation that's raptured, the only one. Death respects neither age, race, color, or creed. It robs all. It is a thief. Hebrews are. 9, 27, and 28 says it is appointed for man to die once, but after this a judgment, so Christ was offered once to bid the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Did that describe you? Are you sure you're in Christ? Are you playing games with Christ? Or are you ready? That's a question that you must ask yourself, and only you can answer it. The adoption of the two sons of Joseph was God's doing, by the way, not Jacob's. Uh, The sons of Jacob were 12, as you know. The sons of Joseph were two at this point. Uh, The total tribes were 13 then. The two sons of Joseph took his place, Ephraim and Manasseh. So the listings of the tribes will vary as you go through Scripture. An example is the book of Revelation chapter 7 has the tribe of Dan and Ephraim omitted perhaps due to their idolatrous apostasy that is given to us in Judges, and Hosea mentions it. But they're not listed there. The tribe of Manasseh is listed, and Ephraim is included in Joseph. And Levi had no land inheritance. So as you go through the Bible, you'll find the listings and the names differ a little bit, but two of them are included when Joseph's mentioned. And remember, the tribes of Manasseh were divided in half. Half was on the east and half was on the west. Okay? Death is very final. It brings to an end everything about a person. 
person will never walk into a room. A person's voice will never be heard. A person's comforting presence, their commanding presence will never be sensed. A person's embrace will never be experienced. It's a very final thing. It's a, it's a heartache as you love those who pass. Ecclesiastes 9.3 says, This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that one thing happens to all. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. And that's the way the majority of the world lives, especially today. Let's drink, let's party, for tomorrow we die. Epicureanism. And then you have the others, the extreme, who are trying to change themselves by being legalistic ascetics. Well, I don't drink, I don't do this, I don't do that, but they're not in Christ. So there's two philosophies in the world. Those that believe that you just got to grab all the guts you can, partying like an animal, because tomorrow you may die. And then those others say, no, no, the body is bad, we got to kill it. Got to afflict it. Got to deny ourselves with rituals and all that. They're both wrong. You need a heart change to Christ Jesus. That's what takes place. There's no other hope apart from that. Death to the believer results in a living hope. The minute we die, we're instantly present before the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8 says, We are confident rather to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. He says it twice. Instantly. Paul comforts those in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. He says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, as others who have no hope. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, so those who have died in Christ, God will bring back with him. And then we will be heart apostled, caught up to the sky. We will be with our loved ones in the clouds forevermore with Christ. And so those who have died in Christ are with Christ. When he comes back for us in the rapture, we'll be caught up in the clouds with them and we'll go back to heaven with them. What a great hope. What a great comfort. The arrival of Joseph with his two sons was in view of the death of Israel. That's pretty final. There's no return. Notice, secondly, the blessing of Joseph's two sons come next. Verse 8 through 16 and 8 through 12, the preparation for the blessing uh, and the inquiry of Israel is in verse 8. Uh, he noticed two individuals, then Israel saw Joseph's sons. Remember, they're 20, 20 to 27. Joseph's about 59, and he did not recognize them. This puzzles a lot of people. He says, who are these? Israel had been informed that Joseph was coming, but not his grandsons. But the commentary tells us why. Look at verse 10. His eyesight was failing. We'll get to that. It's like if I take my glasses off, I can't see any of you guys. I say, who are you? I know there's a whole bunch of you out there. He couldn't distinguish who they were. Not that he didn't know them. He spent 17 past years with them. The response of Joseph in verse 9, Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And the request of Israel was, please bring them to me that I may bless them. The word bless and blessing is a key word. It appears 19 times in chapter 27, verse 1, to chapter 28, verse 8. Nine times in chapter 48 and 49. A total of 37 times in the life of Jacob. God wants to bless you. 
But we equate blessing with money and materialism. That's not what we're talking about. That will come if you're faithful to God and if you're a hard worker. But he's talking about spiritual blessing, the most important. Pastor Xavier Reese and the most important gift from God, a gift that's available to all who wait on him. There's more from this study next time, but if your schedule doesn't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy on CD. The title to ask for is The Goodness and Blessings of God. Again, that's a copy on CD for only $4. And be sure and bless someone in your church or Bible study by passing it along when you're through listening. So once again, the title to ask for is The Goodness and Blessings of God, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it helps us when you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This way we can track the effectiveness of this outreach in your area. Want to know how you can leave your children the most valuable inheritance ever? Find out more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com